Good morning, First Church. It is so good to be able to come corporately together to worship. Psalms 122 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So will you take your bulletins with us and let's prepare our hearts. Stand with us if you wouldn't mind. We are going to sing, God so loved the world, and prepare our hearts for the service. Jesus is waiting, God's 
Good morning. So glad to see everyone here today. What a beautiful Sunday morning to worship God. We welcome everyone that's here today as as well as those uh, visiting us on Facebook Live and listening to us on T102. The announcements for this morning, the blue jug is still up front here at the sanctuary for the Kentucky flooding aid. All the donations go through Samaritan's Purse, who's providing aid to the region. We welcome Miss Elizabeth Lammers this morning, who will be at the piano bench for the offertory. Elizabeth is the daughter of Joe and Sarah Lammers. A reminder to the consistory members, the meeting packets are up here on the front view. Please grab yours before you leave today for your upcoming meeting. And now I would like to invite Allie Bucklin up for a quick announcement. Good morning. Um, I'm going to read a scripture for you from Psalm. It's Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7. It says, We will not hide them, meaning the things of our, that our ancestors taught us, from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestor to teach their children so the next generation would know them even the children yet to be born and they would in turn tell their children then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds but would keep his commands they would not be like their ancestors us a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God whose spirits were not faithful to him These verses call for us, for everyone who knows the truth about God's love, to share that truth with the next generation so that they don't grow up to be like us, but rather better than us. In response to this calling, as a church, we would like to start a new midweek children's outreach program to come alongside our Sunday school and youth programs. Um, Yeah, (laughs) this program is called Awana. And it is biblically based that um, incorporates the gospel every week and encourages Bible memorization for the students in the program. Awana is a worldwide program with excellent resources and support for churches who are starting the program. It's well established and well known. I I did it (laughs) when I was young. I, I grew up in Awana at my home church. But I can't run the program on my own. So as you can see in your bulletin, there's some information, and we're asking for two things from everyone in our congregation. First, we're asking for prayer for the program. It's new, and with all new things, there's a lot of logistics, planning, provision that needs to be provided. So pray that that um, is taken care of. Also pray that as we start this program, it reaches the kids in New Knoxville and throughout our little area of Ohio and even further. Um, We also, of course, need volunteers (laughs) to help run the program, which is why I'm here, really. I mean, we need leaders. Um, We need volunteers, teachers, and helpers for the program. There's different roles and responsibilities, different time commitments for all of the the positions. So um, we're asking you to step up and help with the program. 
So as you can see in our bulletin, we're having an informational meeting about Awana for anyone who's interested in learning more about the program or volunteering to help on Wednesday, August 31st at 7 o'clock. And please let me know by signing up on the clipboard in the back of the sanctuary or scanning the QR code in the bulletin and fill out the survey. They're the same. So if you're techie, scan it. And if not, there's a, a form in the back. Um, if you can't attend the meeting, I know it's the beginning of school, I'd be happy to reach out and give you more information and answer your questions if you have them. So leave your phone number or email address and I'll reach out to you. I'm asking you to please let the words of the psalmist that I read earlier speak to you. We are called, each and every one of us who knows the truth, to pass it on to the next generation so that they can put their trust in God and not forget what he's done. Thank you, Allie. And now if you would join me in standing while I read the uh, call to worship this morning. Our call to worship this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We will continue to worship with the praise song, Cornerstone.
And while we invite the children forward for children's chat, please greet your neighbors. All right. Oh, okay. So, brought my lamp with me today. It's a pretty nice lamp. What do you guys think of it? Does it work? Do any of you guys have a lamp at your house? I have have two of them. You have two of them. Why? Why do we have lamps? I have one. To be able to see? Where's yours at? Um, It's in the living room. It's in the living room? Do any of you have one by your bed? I have one in my bedroom. Cool. uh, Over top of my bookshelf. Okay. So. Oh, man. Well, you know what? I'm going to turn mine on. Let's see if it works. Uh Uh-oh. It's not working. Grant, it's not working. Grant is on the move. You think the light bulb's dead? Uh Uh-oh. Caroline, what's wrong with it? Hey, dude, it's right down here. Okay. Great. I knew I would have somebody who could solve needed to be plugged in. It needed to be connected. It didn't work because it wasn't plugged in. Okay? Now, how can we be connected to God? We had to plug the lamp in, right? In order for it to come on, to be connected. So, how are we connected to God? What can we do to be connected to God? Say prayers. Say prayers. That's a good Read one. The Bible. Read the Bible. What else could we do? Come to church. Come to Sunday school. Listen to our VBS, our Vacation Bible School music. Yeah, and sing along with that. There are a lot of ways that we can be connected to God. We can pray. Do you guys pray every day? Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes I read a Bible story in my bedroom before I go to bed. That's an excellent idea. Yes. So we have to be connected. And in our scripture verses today that I'm going to read a little bit later, it talks about Jesus being a, the vine and us being the branches. You see, the branches... Of a tree are connected, or the branches of a grapevine are connected to the root, to the main stem. And what happens if it comes off? Is it connected anymore? No. No. What's going to happen to this what isn't connected anymore? It's going to wilt. It's going to die, right? What? What happens to us spiritually if we don't stay connected to God? We will die. We we will die spiritually. We won't like die, die, but but our relationship with God is going to fall at the wayside and it's not going to be important anymore. Okay? So like our lamp, in order for our lamp to work, it had to be connected, right? And in order for God to work in each one of us, We need to be connected to him. So we want to remember to say our prayers 
sing songs about Jesus. We can come to church pretty soon. Sunday school is going to be starting again. And maybe you guys will want to try out this new thing called Awana. I don't know. We're going to have to find out what it's all about. Okay? So there are lots of opportunities that we can stay connected. All right? So as we go forth this week, I want you to really, really try to stay connected. Remember our lamp and that if it isn't plugged in, it's not going to work. Just like if we don't pray, if we don't sing songs to God, we're not going to be connected either. And that's what we need to be. We need to be connected. Right? Okay. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children and their eagerness to learn about you. Help us to remember to stay connected to you this week in the things that we do, in the things that we say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, have a great week. You may. That would be great. Amen. You guys can head back to your seats. Thank you, Maria, for a great children's chat this morning, reminding us of how important it is to stay connected to the Lord. And that's something that we're going to talk about a little bit more here again later in the service. I have a couple of brief announcements, uh, just uh, in addition to what Dave shared this morning, that I want to highlight for us before we collect our offering this morning. A uh, couple of exciting things that are happening over the next few weeks. Uh, first of all, two weeks from today, August 28th, we're going to have some special visitors with us. Um, Ken Kroller uh, will be in town. He is the grandson of Gilbert and Cornelia Schreyer, who are missionaries to Japan, who our church supported many years ago. He's coming to talk about his, uh, his grandparents, their ministry, their connection to New Knoxville, and they're going to be having a time after the service downstairs in the social room to do that. So I want to encourage you to uh, take time that Sunday after church. We're going to have our, obviously, normal worship service here in the sanctuary at 9 o'clock, and then immediately following that will be a time down, a gathering down in the social room to hear from Ken um, about his grandparents and their ministry and their connection to New Knoxville. So I encourage you to participate in that if you are available that day. Also a reminder that uh, Labor Day weekend, September 4th, uh, we are going to be having worship in the park uh, as part of our fall kickoff celebration. So church service will not be here in the sanctuary that day. Um, so hopefully um, no one will have miscommunication here and show up at 9 o'clock because we won't be here. We're going to be at the park at New Knoxville Community Park at 1015, um, and our service will be out there that morning. Immediately following the service, we're going to have our fall kickoff, a, a carrying meal, uh, so bring a dish to share, and there's going to be fun activities for, for families, for kids to enjoy. Um, so we hope that you all make plans to join us on Sunday, September 4th at 1015 for worship at the park and the fall kickoff immediately to follow that. Our worship, or excuse me, our offering this morning goes to support our radio ministry. And, and as the deacons come forward to collect the offering this morning, we're grateful to have Miss Elizabeth Lammers here to play our offering for us on the piano. Thank you for being here this morning.
I invite you to remain standing as we sing our next hymn together this morning. It's number 382 in your blue hymnals, Be Thou My Vision. you to pray with me. Lord God, we ask for your vision, your guidance, Lord, your provision in our lives. And Lord, we know that we can experience your provision. We experience those things when we put our trust fully and completely in you. We ask, Lord, that you would be Lord of our lives, that you would help us, Lord, to keep our sights set on you and in you alone. Help us to remain firmly planted in you, Lord, built on the strong foundation of of your gospel and your word. 
and help us to not turn to the right or to the left. Help us to not put our trust in other things, Lord, which will ultimately fail us. But help us to find our hope and our purpose and our significance in you and in you alone. Then and only then, Lord, will we truly experience your provision, your vision, your hope for our lives. Lord, we come to you this morning and and know full well, Lord, that we cannot cannot navigate life on our own. That we all face challenges, we face obstacles, some of our own making, Lord, but some that are completely outside of our control. But we face them, Lord, and we can't overcome them on our own. And so we entrust ourselves and our families to you. We entrust our, our church family and our community to you, Lord. And ask that your will would be done in our lives. Lord, there are sick that are out there that need healing. And we ask that you would lay your healing hand upon them. Lord, we trust and believe that you are able to heal in extraordinary ways. And so we ask that you would do that even now for those who are in need of it. And Lord, we also trust and know that you are able to and often do work through ordinary means. Such as the advice and wisdom of doctors and and medicines and, and modern medicine, Lord. And so we thank you for those things and pray that you would work in and through them as well to bring healing to those who are sick. Lord, we ask for your wisdom for those who need to make difficult decisions, who are not sure which way to turn or what the next step is, Lord. May you give them wisdom and discernment to know what is your good and perfect and pleasing will. And give them the courage and the faith to follow it, even when things are difficult. And Lord, we ask that you would help us as a church to stay focused on you and on you alone. Jesus, you are the head of this church. You are the one we look to. And you are the one that we follow. And so for our consistory, for other leaders in other areas, such as our our Sunday school teachers who are about to start off a new year. For those, Lord, that lead in, 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 in ways that are more in the background, that we don't see on a regular basis, we ask that you would guide and direct their steps as well. We thank you for this church. We thank you that you are in charge here, Lord, and that you bring us together with one purpose and one mind and one goal. To love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbor as ourselves and to make disciples. Help us to do that this day and every day. And Father, we also pray for our nation and our world. There's just so much that is going on out there, Lord. We live in a world that desperately needs you. And so we ask, Lord, that you would send your spirit, help us, send your church, Lord, to be your hands and feet in a world that desperately needs to hear your gospel and your truth, that needs to experience your love and your forgiveness. May you equip us to go out into the world, Lord, to be your light, to bear spiritual fruit and make an impact for your kingdom. We do pray for our leaders in our communities, Lord. We think this day of our local communities such as New Knoxville and the surrounding areas in Auglaise County and all those that you have placed in positions of leadership here. We thank you for them and their willingness to serve and ask, Lord, for your wisdom in their lives that they would have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness and that they would be filled. We, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Invite Maria forward for our scripture reading today. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more meaningful and fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my works remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you may, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Amen. Thanks, Maria. Let's pray together again as we go to, go to the Lord and hear from his word. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together here around your word. And upon your invitation, Lord, you invite us uh, to this time and to this place. So we hear from we, we gather here to hear from your word, Lord, um, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. For a few years now, and maybe not exactly every year, um, Allie and I have uh, planted a vegetable garden at our house. It's something we started before we moved into Knoxville and have done it most years we've been here in New Knoxville. 
And we do it more out of a, as a hobby than out of necessity, right? It's, it's nice to have fresh veggies and we enjoy that, but it's a little bit more of a hobby than really out of, out of necessity that we do that. And I was in the garden a few weeks ago and I was weeding and, and getting some things taken care of. And I was, I was reflecting on the fact that I knew this verse, this passage was coming up here in our series on who Jesus is and what that means for us. And I was just, as I was in the garden, I couldn't help but think of this passage about, about the father pruning, right? And bearing fruit and, and what is required for that to happen. Right? It's a lot of hard work to, to create a garden, to create a garden that is fruitful and, and is able to supply, right, good and, um, good fruit. Um, if we were to just let the garden go, which, for those of you who have been by the parsonage in other years, has happened at times, right? Um, if we were to just let it go, it's not going to be very fruitful, right? Weeds are going to grow up and, and, and it's, they're going to choke out the, the tomato plants and the cucumbers and the zucchini and those sorts of things. But if a garden is carefully tended to, if, if the right steps are taken, a garden can bear much fruit and it can be very helpful in, of course, uh, life-giving with, uh, with a vegetable garden. And, and I say all of that to say this, if anybody needs tomatoes or cucumbers, we have a whole box of them we don't know what to do with. So uh, feel free to reach out to us. I feel like that's always the case this time of year with people with vegetable gardens. There's always a surplus, but maybe that's a sign of God's provision and his faithfulness as well. So today we are looking at this passage from John 15, and Jesus here is stating uh, that he is the true vine, right? He is the vine and we are the branches. And if we want to bear spiritual fruit, we must remain in him. And so for, so for our time here this morning, there's three things that I want to share with you, and I'm going to look at each one of them in turn. First of all, what does it mean to remain in Jesus and bear fruit? Second, we're going to look at what that spiritual fruit looks like. And third, we'll close by looking at what the byproduct of spiritual fruitfulness is in our own lives and in the world today. So first, we're going to look at what it means to remain in Jesus. This is a theme we see over and over again in this passage. As you heard Maria read it for you, you probably noticed that word repeated over and over again. Jesus saying, remain in me, remain in me. Some other translations might have the word abide in me or dwell in me. The, the word there really talks about uh, abiding or, or living in um, a particular area and, and establishing yourself there. When I first moved to New Knoxville, I often went around to uh, meeting people and having conversations and, and, and I had to laugh at, I had to laugh a couple times. I was visiting some of our more senior saints in the community and the congregation. And, and one of the questions I'd always ask people is, are you from New Knoxville? You know, I didn't know anyone from Adams. So I was trying to kind of get my bearings and learn, learn people and learn about their families. And so one of the questions I'd often ask is, are you from New Knoxville? And on multiple occasions, I had someone, and, and if you're here today, this isn't, an, no offense, I had people on, on, on multiple occasions look at me and say, no, I'm not from New Knoxville. I grew up a mile outside of town. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's New Knoxville, right? That is the community, right? But, but there was an understanding, especially in older generations, you were either in New Knoxville within the village limits or you weren't, right? And those who were in New Knoxville, they dwelled there. They abided in New Knoxville. That was the place they had 
put down roots. Now, from an outsider's perspective, all y'all are from New Knoxville, right? You all are from this area, right? But where we're from, where we put down roots to continue to build on this analogy does impact our lives. And it makes a difference in who we are. Jesus says that if we want to be spiritually fruitful, we must remain, we must abide, we must dwell in him. And that speaks to that personal relationship we're called to have with Jesus. We're called to know him, not on a superficial level, but on a, on a, on a, as he puts it himself here in this passage, on a friendship level. Right? He says later on in this world, his friends were invited into a personal relationship with the triune God. You know, that's the beauty of the prodigal son, right? The story of the prodigal son. He, he runs off and, and blows his inheritance in wild living. And he thinks, as, he, as he's wasting away in this foreign country, he thinks, if I just go back to my father's house, I can earn my way. I can earn my keep. There's, my father has enough. And if I just earn my way there, he will provide for me. But if you're familiar with the prodigal son story, you know that's not the case, right? He goes back hoping to hoping to earn his way back into his father's household. But his father welcomes him with open arms, lovingly receives him back into the family, not as a servant, but as a son. That's what God does for us. That's what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Again, Christian fruitfulness, right? Only happens, it only is possible through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot bear fruit apart from Him. He is the only source of life, of joy, of meaning, of, of goodness. I love Maria's connection here. I saw, I saw the lamp and I thought to myself for a split second, light of the world was last week. I hope she got the memo, right? Maybe some of you thought the same thing. But her, her analogy there with the lamp was perfect because it perfectly communicated what this passage is about. We need to be plugged in to the source in order to bear fruit. Jesus is the only source of life, of joy, of meaning, of goodness. Everything else that we try to connect to is a cheap substitute. Even the good things in life are temporary at best. Jesus is the only thing that will last. This idea of, of spiritual fruitfulness is not a new idea that Jesus is, is, is talking about here. He's building on an Old Testament metaphor. Israel, on multiple occasions, is described as a vineyard, as God's vineyard. But unfortunately... Throughout most of Israel's history, they were barren. They were fruitless rather than fruitful. And those Old Testament passages remind us that we are unable to bear fruit on our own and in our own power. We need Jesus. We need that connection to God to make us fruitful. But remaining in Jesus isn't just about you know, buddy, you know, having a, having a friendship with him. And that is it. But, but it includes God shaping us and helping us to become the people he created us to be. Jesus reminds here that reminds us here that he is the true vine. We are the branches and the father is the gardener. And part of the father's job is to cut away what is unfruitful so that the rest may grow says here that any branches that are unfruitful are cut off and thrown into the fire, speaking of God's judgment against sin and unrighteousness. 
But it's not just the unfruitful branches that he cuts off, right? He also says that he prunes those branches that are fruitful so that they may bear more fruit. In other words, God works in our lives just like I worked in the garden. God works in our lives to help us bear more fruit. And he does that in a variety of ways. He he allows us to experience suffering and hardship so that we may learn from it and grow and learn to depend on him even more. At times we experience God's discipline, right? Hebrews 12 talks about how God disciplines us like a loving father disciplines his children, not as a, as a, some sort of masochist who just enjoys seeing us suffer, but as a way for us to grow and mature in our faith. God also prunes us by identifying sin in our lives so that we may repent and turn away from it. But all of this he does with the care of a skilled gardener and the compassion of a loving father. He pulls weeds out of the garden of our lives. He prunes away those branches that are in the way so that the fruitful branches may grow and bear even more fruit. So to remain in Jesus means that we have a close personal relationship with him. It means we allow the father to prune our lives, our attitudes, our actions. But it also means, the last thing in this part, to remain in Jesus also means that we are obedient to him. Jesus reminds us here that if we love him, we will obey his commands. You see, obedience to God and his word is the structure that allows the fruit to grow. When I was a teenager, I was in Boy Scouts and we did a camping trip one time and, and I grew up in Western New York and there's a lot of grape vineyards in that area. Uh, we went in and did a camp out at one of these vineyards. The, the people there, we, there was a connection and, and they allowed us to camp out there. And in return, we went and harvested the very ends of the, the rows in the vineyard where the machines couldn't get the rest of the grapes. But if you've ever been to a vineyard, you know that grapevines don't just grow on the ground, right? They are supported by trellises. Right? These, these structures that allow the grapevines to grow up to be supported so that they may bear more fruit. God's word is like that for us. It's the structure that allows our, uh, our relationship with Him to thrive. Right? And if we love Jesus, we're going to be obedient to what He says because if we truly love someone, then we want to serve them and do what's best for them. And so obedience is, is important. It's necessary for our spiritual growth. Obedience to God and His Word. So we must remain in Jesus. And, and, and we just talked about what that looks like. The next thing I want to talk about here today is what, what does spiritual fruit look like? Right? We could talk about it all day. We can talk about the importance of remaining in Jesus and the importance of bearing spiritual fruit, but, but we need to know what that means and what that looks like so that we can identify it in our own lives. The Bible, the New Testament elsewhere talks about fruit as a way to talk about the, the character and the conduct of a believer's life. And, and one spot we see that is in Matthew 3 and talking about the ministry of John the Baptist. And there they talk about the fruit of repentance. And so one of the, one of the spiritual fruits that we should see in our lives is the fruit of repentance. Right? That means recognizing sin and turning away from it. That's the first step in our walk with Christ. 
entry into the kingdom of God is, is not based on our birthright. It's not based on our social status. It's not even based on our good behavior. It's based on acknowledging our sin and turning to Jesus for grace and forgiveness, trusting that he died for our sins. I saw recently someone comment that, that Jesus dying on the cross is a historical fact. But the fact that Jesus died for your sins and for my sins is a theological truth, right? To trust and believe that he not, he not only died, but died for me and died for you is that important step in repentance. Remember, Jesus says that branches that are not fruitful will be cut off and thrown into the fire. See, the Bible's not shy when it comes to judgment. And we shouldn't be either, right? Those who die apart from Christ are destined to be cast into that eternal fire. And that's not something we want for anybody. Hell is real. Eternity is a long time. And so we need to make sure that we are trusting in Christ today, that we may experience his forgiveness, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So that's part of what it means to be spiritually fruitful. But, but fruitfulness doesn't end with repentance. It leads to Christ-like character. And there we can have Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So spiritual fruitfulness begins with repentance, but it leads to Christ-like character. We're called to be more like Christ in our lives. But remember, it's important. It's not about, this isn't a a self-help mentality. This isn't, uh, uh, as as some have described, like uh, moral therapeutic deism, right? We're not talking about just be a better person and God will love you. We become better people as we experience God's love in our lives. He produces that fruit in us. We can position ourselves for better growth. We can, we can do things like Maria was talking about earlier that help us to be more fruitful, but ultimately it's God working in us to make us more like Jesus. And so the, the fruitfulness leads to Christ-like character, but it also leads to Christ-like conduct. And I, for that, I want to look at Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. Here Jesus is saying, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come at you like sheep. Uh, they come at you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly they are ferocious as wolves. By their fruit, they, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, Jesus is making a connection here between spiritual fruitfulness, right, and doing the will of the Father. 
See, trees produce fruit in keeping with their kind. Bad trees, right, will produce bad fruit. Good trees will produce good fruit. And you can identify a person, right? You can, you can tell what kind of, per, what kind of tree a person is based on their fruit. But then he goes on to talk about the mark of, of true and false disciples is not church attendance, right? It's, it's, not, it's not other things. It's, it's those that do the will of the Father in heaven. And he looks at those people who thought they were in the right place but weren't truly obeying God, weren't defined by Christ-like conduct. And he says, away from me, I never knew you. I mean, that's, a, that's a terrifying thought, isn't it? I certainly don't want to be in that position I want to bear fruit in keeping with repentance, in keeping with Christ-like character, in keeping with Christ-like conduct. Finally, we need to talk about the byproduct of our spiritual fruitfulness. We are fruitful when we remain in Jesus. We talked about what that fruitfulness looks like. And now we need to talk about the byproduct of that fruitfulness. And we see three things that are important to recognize here. One, our fruitfulness is not for our own good, but it is for God's glory. In, in, back in John 15, I believe it's in verse 8, he says that, that it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. In other words, God is glorified when we are, when we are spiritually fruitful. In Matthew 6, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about the light of the world, and we talked about this a little bit last week. But when we let our light shine in front of others... When we live like God is calling us to live, people notice, people take note. And he says, they will see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. God is glorified. He, his name is magnified when we live like we were created to live. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, a, a document very similar to the Heidelberg from about the same time period, very similar truths. Uh, has a, uh, the first question in the Heidel, in, excuse me, the Westminster Catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? In other words, what is, what is man's purpose? What were we created for? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Right? And we glorify God when we live for Him in everything that we do. So one of the byproducts of spiritual fruitfulness is God's glory. The second one is our joy. Jesus says that our joy will be made complete when we are, when we remain in him and bear much fruit. Again, relationship with Jesus is the ultimate goal here, to remain in him. Yet so often we look for joy elsewhere. When we look to find joy elsewhere, that's called idolatry, right? When we look to find our true purpose and true meaning elsewhere, that leads, that is idolatry. And the, real, the, the fact of the matter is that whatever else we, we try to find our purpose in, maybe it's our family, maybe it's our job, maybe it's wealth, who knows? There's some good things we can try to find meaning in, and so there's some not-so-good things we can try to find meaning in. But whatever it is, if it's not God, we're going to crush it under the weight of our expectations. Nothing else in life can satisfy the way that Jesus does. Jesus is the only thing in life that will never fail. Even the best things are only temporary and will be stripped away. But Romans 8 reminds us that nothing, not even death itself, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is where we find our everlasting joy. And finally, the last byproduct of spiritual fruitfulness 
is for others' good. We experience God's love for us in Christ. We bear much fruit in our own lives, but it is not meant to end with us. Just like God's light shining in us isn't meant to end with us. It's meant to go forth and make a positive impact on others. Jesus says that we're called to love others the way that he loved us. How did he love us? What does that look like? Jesus gave himself up for us. That's what Philippians 2 talks about. I encourage you to read that on their own because we don't have time to do that right now. But Philippians 2 reminds us to have the same attitude that Jesus had towards others, that Jesus had toward us. Not putting our own interests, not looking after or seeking our own interests, but each of us seeking the interests of others and putting others before ourselves. That is a byproduct of spiritual fruitfulness that we would love others the way that Jesus loved us. So as we close here, I want to ask you a couple questions. What is your, what does the fruitfulness in your life look like? What does it look like here at First Church of New Knoxville? How can we be more fruitful? Well, the answer to that is simple. We need to remain in Christ. We need to keep Christ at the center of everything we do in our own lives, in the life of this church. We need, to, we need to remain in Him. And we need to commit ourselves to loving Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving others as ourselves. We need to fulfill that great commandment. And when we do that, when we remain in Him and commit to loving God and loving others, we will bear much fruit. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this day. We thank you that you have, uh, that, that you are the source of every good and perfect gift, that Jesus, you are the true vine and that you call us to remain in you. Help us to do that today. Help us to love you with everything we have. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service today. We're going to sing hymn number 364, My Jesus, I Love Thee. I invite you to re- stand if you're able and sing with us.
invite you to receive this benediction from Jude 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. You may go in peace.